Mike Harati's joining me here on the podcast today. What's up? It's good to have this guy on. We've uh, known each other for a few years now. You lived in Toronto for a while and I went to visit you out there and we had a nice chat about, you know, what you've been through and, 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 um, the traveling you've done and, and, you know, trying to find your way in life, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, recently I talked to you on the phone and, uh, you had a lot of interesting stories to tell me, um, things that have happened to you recently and things that have happened to you in the past, which I knew a little bit about. Yeah. So I thought today we'd, uh, we'd discuss a little bit about you know, what you've been through and how you've changed as a person going back to 2012. It's not easy to talk about. 2000, 2011. 2011. 2011. It's not easy to talk about, but uh, you were incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so maybe walk us through a little bit about what that experience was like at the very beginning. Uh, what it was, uh, I was actually very fortunate because I got busted in 2011, but I was out for about two and a half years on bail. So I was able to utilize the time, you know, benefit myself, get out of that criminal mentality. And uh, it was those two and a half years that my whole life changed. So going into prison September 2013, Mm -hmm. uh, I went in reformed. Like I never went in with that uh, mentality. So I knew what I needed to do. And it was more or less just time for me to sit down and just kind of reevaluate my life and uh, critique my life, change it for the better. So I did utilize the time. I uh, I had both good experiences and both bad experiences. Yeah. Uh, I met a lot of cool people inside, very few, but um, you know it was uh, it was quite the experience for sure. So when you say that two and a half years was that is that the beginning stages of yeah that's basically pending trial. Uh, we exhausted all our options at that point, and uh, I took took the deal, did five, got sentenced to five years. Um, but throughout that time, uh, the, the two and a half years prior, I was able to kind of, you know, transition in the car business at that point, realized I had a talent in selling and, uh, just took advantage of the time. So yeah. by the time I went in, I was already a changed person. Yeah. 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 No, I remember you telling me about the, the car industry and yeah. where yeah. you were working and stuff like that. Yeah. So just to go back to the beginning. And like I said, I know this is not the easiest thing to talk about, but when you first, when you first went in after you exhausted all your options and you, you took the, the deal mm-hmm. and, and you went in there, uh, obviously you tried to take a very negative situation and make it or try to make it into a positive one. Cause that's sounds impossible to do, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen right away. Like yeah. when you go in there, you don't know what to expect. Right. Of course. So, um, you basically just prepare yourself mentally and then after your first hundred days it becomes routine um but you're going into an institution and that institution is meant for punishment not rehabilitation so there's a difference so i went in there knowing that Mm -hmm. so i did what i had to do for myself to be the better version of myself had i went in there and wanted to get involved with everything and and kind of take advantage um I would have came out worse than what I would than prior to me going in. Yeah. So um, basically, I had to make sure that my mindset was always positive because, like, you're in the you're in there at least eighteen hours a day, in in your cell, eighteen hours a day. So you have to have a lot of books. You have to have a lot of uh, mental toughness. You know, um, training is a big thing in there. You know, that's like your that's what keeps you sane in there. At least for me. 
Yeah. Um, I did that and I just stuck to it. So I was able to get out on parole early. Uh, but believe it or not, being on parole is harder than the time. The time for me was easy because I knew what I needed to do. Um, but being on parole was actually a lot harder than the time. And a How lot so? Of, um, a lot of examples. For instance, I got out January of 2015 and the parole officers that you deal with are, um, although they come off like they're educated and they want the best for society and the best for you, really they're just looking for anything to send you back. They, and they don't get paid well to, to care enough. They could care less. Um, their job is basically uh, to look at any holes in whatever story you're telling them or work or, or paperwork or what have you. Try to find the negative. I mean, they, they used to call me like in the middle of my work day. I would be at work and they would call me, yeah, we need to see you. Well, I'm at work. Can I come later? No, we need you now. If you don't come now, then they threaten you right away. So then you have to stop what you're doing and then you got to go out there. Luckily for me, uh, my place of employment at the time, I knew everybody and they knew my situation. So they were very accommodating to that. And lenient. Very. Uh, so I got away with, I got to get out of here, this and that all the time. But I was selling also, what, 20, 30 cars a month. So yeah. I had that advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it doesn't make it easy just having these random phone calls and check-ins where you had to no, um, drop it, everything you're it doing. It rattles you a little bit. Mm. Now, it got pretty interesting for me because... I knew that in order for me to be successful on parole, I had to leave Edmonton. Um, Why? Because I know everybody. And one oh, of my okay. conditions was you can't communicate with someone who has a uh, criminal record or, yeah, or something sense. very minor. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can go back for something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was pretty familiar with Toronto due to my past travels that I went there. Yeah. So an opportunity came my way to open up a business out there. So I said, okay, well, I have two and a half years left on parole. Might as well just, you know, finish it out there. Yeah. And it worked out beautifully. I went yeah. there and I, you know, I had my business there for a couple of years and yeah. I, I transitioned perfectly. Yeah. Um, the parole system out there didn't really give me a problem because they seen everything was routine. Yeah. But it was near the very end when the supervisor realized that the parole officer that I had was too cool with me. He switched up the parole officer, gave me someone else that was a little bit more, you know, technical and whatnot. Even though I wasn't doing anything illegal or nefarious, they just, you know, tested me in every possible way. Yeah. So just to make a long story short, they uh, violated me on a technicality. And uh, I was, I went through that whole process of being a federal inmate for the last four months. And that was like a roller coaster, man. Okay, so let's back up a little bit before we get into your recent incarceration, what you had to go through and, 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 yeah. and everything that you elaborated on in our previous conversation. You, um, when you were in Toronto, because I remember I went out there yeah. and I, I visited you and I had some things to, to do there as well, yeah. so I stopped in and I remember. It, it seems like it, yesterday, man. It seems like yesterday, yeah. but I just, I couldn't believe how much time you spent in your car. And how hard it was. I mean, I'm so used to, uh, you know, cities like Edmonton where it's so easy to get around. Within half an hour, I can circle the city. Where in Toronto, everything you have to do, whether it's grab lunch or go to check in on somebody or whatever, um, you, you had to navigate your entire day around it. For me, because the, where I lived, I lived in Richmond Hill, which is the suburb outside of Toronto. And it's very populated. Very populated. <clears throat> it's a heavy Persian area there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd have to, and my store was downtown Toronto. Yeah. It was in a, the Portuguese area of Toronto, Rogers Road there, Keelan Rogers. 
and uh, basically my commute is normal like you're in your car I got away with driving about 45 50 minutes to get to work but on the way back it was usually about an hour and a half and then whatever errands I had to do within the vicinity was always like you're always in your car but it was all right man I didn't mind it you know I listened to a lot of podcasts listened to a lot of like self-improvement uh you know uh, a lot of just a lot of things you could benefit from within yeah. that hour and a half you know like you're in traffic you might as well do your emails and whatnot although you can't be on your phone but yeah. I got used to the little Bluetooth app that I have yeah 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 that was uh, and there was a there's a highway there what what's the, the 407 yeah that express highway that you yeah. got to pay for when you're on which is how do they how do they it um, cuts your time in half so wherever you need to go, you know that if you get on that highway, you'll pay maybe like 10, 15 bucks or whatever, but it cuts wherever you need to go in half. And they do that by taking a picture of the yeah, license plate? Yeah, they got plate. cameras. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like me taking, you know, Anthony Henday, but I got to pay a dollar fifty or three bucks to, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's worth it when you compare... Edmonton is like a cash cow for photo radar. In all of Toronto, you won't see one photo radar. I mean, they'll have red light, maybe a few yeah, here and there but they don't have any any photo radar i was there for two and a half years not one ticket did i get so so their money's kind of made elsewhere yes okay yes I because mean, of le- yeah. like what we talked about the 407 yeah the express i got more tickets and more traffic violations in a smaller city right like then edmonton than Pearson. i did in that i did in toronto yeah i noticed that too actually yeah. i only lived in toronto for about a year and a half but we didn't do much driving yeah. to be honest we were right in the middle of the uh, the heart of downtown we were beside the C- cbc building and, and the that's CL how you want to do it though like for but you it was to, expensive though the thing is i was setting myself to work and live downtown yeah uh, the problem was the dealership after i sold the business the dealerships that were all within the area were all kind of outside yeah. uh the uh the train station norm yeah. so you'd have to drive yeah um, but the way to do it, man, is just to be to be more like interpersonal and to meet a lot of people. Yeah. Just go downstairs from your condo and get on the subway yeah. and commute wherever you need to go. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. Like that's like actual living there. Kind of discover know? the city for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, um it wasn't quite like that for me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. I just got right into the working fourteen hours a day and doing the whole drive back and forth and you had two restaurants that you were running at the time that uh, was one for uh, about a year and then the second one came after that and then that's when it just became chaotic like just know. just too many hours 14 hours a day I mean I'm single guy you know yeah. I mean I had a good crew but there's always that case where someone would call and say hey I can't show up so of course yeah I've you, I lived that life for a few I years. think that happened when you were, when you came to see me you, you had a day off yeah you then, were really stressed though yeah, so although you live and I had a nice condo there, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a nice condo. I yeah, liked it. It was nice. Nice view and setup was yeah, nice. It was awesome. But, um, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't really enjoy it. Couldn't really sit back and enjoy. It was always that adrenaline when you come back from driving, knowing that hey, shit, I almost got into an accident today or something. Yeah. You know, I'll, uh, I mean, I was there when that incident happened. When that guy got onto his uh, that vehicle and rammed eight eight people, yeah, I was yeah. on the other side of the street when that happened that happened that, what like uh, uh, five six months ago yeah or summer. no I'd say last summer or something really yeah six six yeah months it ago. happened because uh, we had something here happen in the city right around that time yeah where somebody drove the, the U-Haul truck and hit a few people on I think it was White Ave or, or Jasper Ave 
ended yeah. up on Jasper Ave. So it was around that time. So yeah, but almost a year ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it's was just intense, you know. Yeah. So very intense. Well, so it's a big city. It's it's. Uh, it's uh, corporate Canada. It's like yeah. um, it's very fast. But yeah. I I like that though. Like I like that feel of the city. Yeah. So in the beginning, like I was like, whatever, I could do this, you know. But then in the end, I was like, okay, you're you're doing you're doing good, but come yeah. on, you have no time for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, well, you're 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 working. You're excited. You're doing everything the legit yeah. way, and you're trying to, you know, stand up on your feet again and, and make a life for yourself. But then you got, you know, your parole officers contacting you and all this other. Shit I was doing. I was doing very well when I was out there. Like everything was going good. It's just the fact that when you do too good, they see that as oh well, he's up to something else. You know what I mean? That yeah. They they they're used to that. Yeah. So I always told them. I said, look, while I'm doing what I'm doing. Please have someone follow me, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Let me just do my thing. And you yeah. guys will be able to see that I have a pretty disciplined routine. Besides smoking a joint once in a while, you weren't yeah, really doing anything. But they knew that anyway, right? Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it was a learning experience. I realized down the road that if I were to get into something like that, I would want to have like a, my family implemented in it. Yeah. Just because everything goes to the family, right? Yeah. You're not worried about this guy or this guy yeah, or this yeah, yeah. lady. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was and those were the ones that were the closest to you. Like that's who you had to depend on. Was was really family and family is you know key. friends from the past or people that used to know you. They tend to dwindle away when you're going through a tough time, right? Is that I would say fair to say? I would say um, as we get older, uh, life changes. It's not the way uh, we remember when we were kids. You know, everybody's yeah. caught up in their own. I'm sure everybody has their own area where they're working on or they uh, they want to you know they have a goal they want to get to or what have you mm. um or they have a stress in their life that's kind of causing them from being public or vocal yeah um but for me um i didn't care you know i just wanted to uh, express myself and live um and, and just take on like tackle on like big op opportunities goals and yeah. toronto wasn't easy you know and you know it was it was pretty difficult but so you definitely challenged yourself when it came to what city you chose to do it in and and the the fast-paced you know lifestyle yeah. and the traveling the commuting and, and working 14 hours 14 hours a day mm -hmm. that's not easy for sure it's not but when you're young you know what i mean you got to take advantage yeah, of that of time um for me though i don't like the norm i like to take risks like i'll i'll, I'll jump on 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 an opportunity that will come my way that'll kind of people will look at it and be like oh that's a little out there you know yeah yeah but i i thrive <coughs> on that of course and that's why i'm always coming i'm always going i'm always trying different things yeah. um some of the businesses that i got involved with back in the day some were very successful some were a learning experience and i've had a, i had supplement stores i've had a lot of yeah. uh different businesses and uh, each one i learned something different yeah um and uh the change of scenery is nice you always yeah. have to change the scenery. You got to change what you're doing. You can't the the monotony of the day to day, yeah. nine to five, yeah. gets old quick. Yeah. Especially for a guy like me, yeah. you know, I yeah. like I like seeing different things all the yeah. time. Trying and it's a big things. transition. I mean, you're in Toronto. That's that's a lively city. The, yeah, the, the but sixth, I got, and now you're back on the north side again. From 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 the just visiting from the four one six to the north. Yeah, temporarily. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I took advantage, man. I got to train with some uh, pretty good coaches out there for boxing. Uh, I went and trained at Atlas Boxing, which is Lennox Lewis's uh, old stomping grounds from when he won the Olympics in 88. And you and started that when? Because when I last saw you about a year and a half, almost two years ago, mm -hmm. 
me and you sparred a little bit and you're showing me a little bit of boxing and and yeah. and and you're saying now that you've been pretty consistent with it yeah and now you've become a well, way better boxer you've lost a lot of weight from when i you were much bigger yeah when i remember but it doesn't look like you you, you lost muscle it just looks like any fat you had on you destroyed it well what happened is is like um it came out of blessing in disguise yeah. i was taking boxing very seriously the last couple of years yeah. and uh having been able to train at atlas when i got jammed up and i got sent back i i weighed about 275 pounds when you say jammed up you mean uh, like when, when they, you left toronto when i uh when i got picked up in bc Okay, but that when I was, was about to, when I was about to when I was on my way to BC and I was uh, changing ship to British. So Columbia. so basically, you wanted you wanted to change things up a little bit. So you went from Toronto, went to BC, yeah, uh, and that's when you got businesses. Yeah, I, I sold my business uh, businesses because of you know yeah. working those late hours yeah. and uh, an opportunity came to work in the car business out in in BC. Toronto and I did very well with that. Okay, the only problem was I was having a hard time getting licensed out in Ontario. Mm -hmm. BC gave it to me right away. And uh, the area in BC, uh, I was very familiar with it. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, what area? Uh, Squamish, BC. Never been there. Beautiful. It's like an hour away from uh, You've Whistler. been there? He's, he's uh, nodding. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, man. It's, yeah. uh, you know. You agree? You concur? He concurs. You get a nice blast of nature. Yeah. It forces you to do a lot of training outside. You're not necessarily cooped up inside, like biking, yeah. uh, mountain climbing, things I'm not really used to. Yeah, a lot more water and, and nature and, and yeah. you know, hiking and, and bike rides and stuff. So when I got jammed up and they and they sent me back and then I just utilized the time, you know what I mean, to basically do a lot of intermittent fasting and just drop some of this, this weight because I had a hard time losing weight. Like, you know, Ramadan was a, a month pre before I went in and I, even with Ramadan, I was having a hard time losing weight. Yeah. So when you're in the institution, it's a different story though. You go to bed hungry almost every night based on, you know, the garbage they give you. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to use that negative into a positive yeah, and the yeah. weight just fell off. I lost like 40 pounds, man. So when you, when you intermittent fast, cause a lot of people are doing it, including myself, yeah. When you intermittent fast, it's a lot different than religiously uh, uh, fasting because you're uh, you're you're not allowed to drink water during the day. Mm -hmm. Where when you're intermittent fasting, you can have black coffee in the yes. water. And, yes. Well, so that's where it's different. You literally don't touch, not even a stick of gum. Nothing. 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 Um, um, so how was that? What would you notice the difference between fasting religiously and and, and fasting intermittent fasting? Well. Uh, during Ramadan, when you're when you're fasting and you're breaking your fast at night, mm -hmm. it's like a feast. So everything that you've been craving, I mean, uh, realistically, uh, Ramadan is for you to feel what uh, less fortunate feel. It's more of a spiritual kind of uh, bettering yourself, yeah. cleaning the blood. A lot of there's uh, aside from the health aspect of it, yeah. there's a lot in terms of religion yeah. that plays into it. Yeah. But with intermittent fasting, you can kind of cater your day around. Okay, I'm just going to drink water and coffee. Yeah. And uh, if I get hungry, I'm just going to drink some water. Yeah. So what happens is, is your body's used to kind of consuming carbohydrates and yeah. proteins and whatnot. So it starts to feed on what you already have. Yeah. And in the institution, it's it's like forced like that. Yeah. You know, like it's 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 pretty hard. So I utilized that man, and I just uh, and I trained. I never ever in my life used to train on an empty stomach, man. Like I'd get up, I'd have like six hours, six seven hours where I haven't eaten anything, drank yeah. anything, and I'd just be in the gym, yeah. hitting the hitting the bag. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, I remember I used to eat and then go to. Yeah, the gym, I had a like, whole like uh, ritual almost. Yeah. Have uh, you know uh, some oatmeal or whatever, and then I was very religious with like post workout meal and all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I had to change how I used to think about nutrition in terms of uh, physicality. Yeah, for sure. Because your body, believe it or not, it works more efficiently when there's nothing in it, and when it's kind of in that state of um, fight or flight. Yeah, it's just it works a lot more efficiently. Yeah, you're right. And um, I benefited from that tremendously. Like I, I'm more agile. Yeah. Um, my cardio lighter on your feet. Lighter on my feet. You know, I just I feel I have like a pep in my step. Yeah. So. So when you got jammed up in BC, yeah, um, it was due to a technicality in the paperwork. Paperwork. Um, uh, for you me. know why you in BC and you were in Toronto and so there was some exactly, blah yeah. blah blah some some so some details that went into that and and then and then what happened after that well i don't blame anybody but myself um when you're nearing the end right you got to understand this was a 10-year almost ordeal yeah when you're nearing the end meaning how much longer did you have i had about four months four and a half months left until i was done everything where they have no more control over me none of that yeah so you paid your dues and and you're and you're not going to be bothered anymore I put in all the paperwork to go into BC and everything was kind of green lit for me. Um, but because uh, it was a really minute detail that they missed or yeah. something and uh, I got all lippy with them, you know, and I said, look, I've been with you guys for, for two and a half years. I've given you everything that you guys have asked for. Um, I've always um, told you I was going to be somewhere. I was always there, you know. Um, Shouldn't I have a little bit of credibility? Shouldn't I have a little bit of like leeway considering, you know, that yeah. I've been, I've been conducting myself appropriately right. to legitimately, legitimately, whatever. Working your ass off. So I kind of figured, uh, but until the end, man, they just, they treated me like a con and that's just how it was. And, uh, they really got treated like a con at, yeah. the, at the end when they, uh, you know, when, when you went in and, uh, after being in BC. So, so what happened after that? You had to do some, some time. Like that was last... a, that was a journey. Um, I'm just thinking they're going to put me in there for a week, kind of humbled me a little bit and kicked me back out, but they revoked me right away. And that means basically they're going to put me in there for the remaining, uh, period, okay. um, which was illegal because I wasn't charged with anything. And, uh, they usually have time to review the circumstances for them to kick you back out. Yeah. But they utilize that to their advantage because by the time anything happens where yeah. they figure out, okay, this guy's not supposed to be in here, let's kick him back out. They knew I only have four months left anyway, right? So, so it's just a matter of extracting as much exactly. as they can out of the. So place. I knew that was the game that they're playing. Yeah. So I automatically said, you whatever. Got lippy. Uh, you know, it it wasn't even that I got lippy. It was just that. I was a little too smart with them. Yeah. You know, I, I gave them some. Concrete, I'm sure they like that. I gave them some concrete information that they should have kind of kind of backtracked on and, and that yeah. was it. But whatever. They put me on Con Air, they call it. Okay, so... Like they, the movie Con Air. Pretty much. I love exactly, that movie. Exactly like that, man. This was the trippiest experience ever, but get this. Tell me. So when they got me in BC, the, the federal penitentiary in, in, in BC was called Matsqui, right? Yeah. And that wasn't the jurisdiction that I belonged to, right? Because the uh, the parole, it was out in Toronto. So yeah. they're like, well, we don't want to deal with this guy. He's going to get out anyway. Yeah. They, they just put me on an interregional flight. And, uh, and this was after about a week of being inside. About one week, thought, yeah. You thought one week, I'm probably going to kick me back yeah, out. Yeah, All yeah, this stuff yeah. came yeah. up. How wrong was I? Yeah. They're like, wake up. And it was like five in the morning. And they yeah. took me. And they, they took me to an airport. 
and they base the airport was very close to the pen anyway yeah. um and they uh yeah they leg iron they shackle you did you think that you were just getting on a uh semi normal I know, I flight knew, I know, no I knew what was going on at that point okay. right so they put me on this flight and there was people there from that pen and then yeah. they stopped in every province picking up and dropping oh, off go back go back this is crazy so you got onto a flight after yeah. being shackled yeah. and what was that like uh, is it like you know for those of us that have, you have seen a, Con Air uh, you have well for me because I'm a federal inmate you're gonna have to go through their rodeo no matter what yeah. because for them, it's just like, okay, here's your file, and then they're going to just transfer so you. So elaborate. Whatever. What was that like? So uh, it was kind of an experience because they had uh, two guards on, on one here, one on my left, one on my right, and one in front of me with an M16. Yeah. And uh, you, you look like a real badass at this point. <laughs> I always thought, like, man, if someone see me in the airport and took a picture, they'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, what, what the hell does this do? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, um, they put you on this flight, and then they, they put a guard on you. Like, it's very uncomfortable. But the fact that they stop in every province and they pick up and drop off characters, like yeah. I met a lot of fucking crazy, crazy people. Yeah. I got some pretty crazy conversations with some of the inmates, especially in the Manitoba region there. Yeah. A lot of lifers got on. Yeah. And uh, stone cold, like faced, you know, just nuts, tattoos on the face, yeah. just really messed up human and beings. And they're shackled from head to toe pretty head much. Head to toe. And he uh, kept making these stops. So how long was the flight altogether? It was like, it was like a 10-hour ordeal by the time I got to uh, Collins Bay. So basically, you must have had like two, three stops. Uh, three. Or it was uh, actually four. Four stops. Four in total. Mm -hmm. um, we got to Collins Bay, uh, which was like a breath of fresh air because uh, the circumstances there were a lot more comfortable. Yeah. And uh, I was there for a month. Again, the same thing. They're like, well, this guy is almost done. We don't want him here anyway. Yeah. And then they, they put me on, they went back to Joyceville, which is like the oldest pen. And throughout this time, you can't, uh, like, you're not allowed to get out of your cell because you're on a, they call it TD case, temporary detention. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're not allowed to, like, work, utilize the time when you're in there. You're, it's pretty much punishment. You're in your cell all day. So what um, was the in-flight meal like on that? Uh, that was the best meal that I had oh, really? the whole time that I was there. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty, uh, it was all right, yeah. Just com compared to compared the to meals you, you were you were getting inside. Yeah, it was a breath of fresh air. Oh, okay. It was nice. a breath of fresh air. Um, uh, but yeah, that's all done now, and um, it was it was just it was an ordeal that I had to just deal with, just to know that this is what you had, it was what you went through. Yeah. Don't come back to that. Yeah. Don't ever put yourself in a situation where you have to go back to that. Lesson learned, kind of thing. Lesson learned a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but again, when you're involved, when you're, you're wrapped up in the system, these are the, the circumstances you can get into. Yeah. yeah. So for sure. Yeah. So when you, when you went back to prison and this was cause that, that, um, that flight you're talking about happened when about five, six months ago, uh, late May, late May. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Around there. So when you went inside, what's that like? I mean, for people that, that haven't experienced you know, being in a cell, it's not like we see in the movies. You're not, you're not walking around going to play basketball and, and this and that. You do get you're, your rec, you do get your rec time. But for my situation, because I was a temporary detention, yeah. you can't utilize the facility. It's capable, like, you know, the full, full out the way yeah. the penitentiary is run. Yeah. You're not allowed to participate. I wasn't allowed to get a job and stuff like that in the, in the pen. So you're pretty much locked up all the time, but, um, you do get your rec time. You're, you're out like four hours out of the day. 
pretty much. Four hours. Four hours. And the rest each of the time. Each joint is different, though. Each yeah, joint yeah. is different. But the, where I was at, four hours out of the day, and the rest is like your meals and whatnot. And that, and but the rest of the time, like the 20, the 20 hours. You're in your you're in yourself. You're in yourself. Yeah. By yeah, yourself. Pretty much. You yeah. didn't have a... I mean, I had a TV, but TV gets old quick. It's like a loop. Yeah. You're watching whatever news, whatever I'm show. I'm sure it was the it's most no interesting good. stuff. Uh, TV is good, like here, here and there, but... Uh, reading and just uh training and doing doing insane amount of repetition on certain exercises that you would not wouldn't normally do like every day i used to challenge myself i used to say okay well today before you go to bed you're gonna make yourself sweat you're gonna shadow box where your cell is sweating type of thing so yeah. you feel like by the time you wake up the next day you didn't waste that day you did something like extraordinary type yeah. of thing you, you know? do what you have to do in your yeah. situation because when you're locked up the hardest thing about being locked up is every day is the same <coughs> so me being on the outside looking in yeah i can't recall anything because it's like a blur almost yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying is that because you try to shut it out you try to shut it out but every day is structured the same so a week you maybe pick up one thing that you did that week that's different other yeah. than the gym or whatever you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all the same so if you're not like if you're not utilizing the time efficiently um you get really depressed quick you know but me already knowing the way the system is and you know how it is i i actually benefited from it i became a stronger person from the whole ordeal so in the beginning it kind of sucked because it was fresh but by the time i got out i was i was uh, it was like a blessing in disguise i was yeah. hum i was humbled by the experience because i had to kind of look at myself and uh tell myself certain things that i never really would have done had i been free well when you have no choice it's it's funny what what you know what goes on in your head and, and what kind of adjustments mm -hmm. you make and, and changes to your mental state and that so at the beginning i can't imagine you're doing anything besides just trying to take in everything and try to figure out what's going on yeah and then afterwards you you really start to dive into yourself into your mind and yeah. did you read any good books you said you read some books uh, i read a book on uh, <coughs> niche um a lot of really good authors terry white um i met a lot of a lot of cool people inside too that trained um uh, yeah what did you weigh when you got uh when you got jammed up in bc you were at what 275 and you're I was, at, you're I was, at what I was 240 now 235 240 wow yeah so that was 30 pounds ago yeah for almost well i fluctuate sometimes i'll go up yeah, yeah. and down i'm you know i binge out i'll eat yeah of course especially when i got out I, I ate a lot yeah of course <laughs> mcdonald's started to look like the healthiest meal on the yeah, block yeah you just have certain cravings i have a sweet tooth so yeah it's yeah, no yeah. secret people will you know yeah interesting yeah i like that there's nothing yeah, to I mean, it, it's 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 hard to 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 share this story. I'm sure, and, and it's not easy. And for those of you that don't know Mike and and don't know his history and and what he's been through, um, I just I just have to, you know, applaud you for coming out of out of it on the other side, a, a better person, both mentally, physically. You look good, um, and and having learned your lesson and knowing you for the last couple of years, where you've been doing everything legit and and working insane hours and traveling and stuff like that yeah. it can't be easy because it just feels like you're trying to do all the right things you're you're, you're doing things that that the normal guy wouldn't um you know uh, 
no laws that we would break. You're very, uh, you're very diligent on on staying, you know, the course and stuff like that. So for you to come out on the other end, mm-hmm. you know, healthy and and obviously you've been through a lot. So I'm sure this is as happy as you can be in the moment. But um, you al- took a lot out of it. There was you know? always struggles. Uh, you know, there's always certain times in the day, um, certain days where you have your ups and your downs, right? Yeah, just like anybody else. But what always kept me grounded is the training aspect of it, both mental and physical. Yeah. Um, I strongly believe um, if you're going through any kind of problems, any kind of a heartache, any kind of um, um, situation. situation, something yeah. that's detrimental, um, th- what kept me sane is my faith in, in, you know, in God and uh, my training. Yeah. And I was able to capitalize on both those, the physical and the mental combining them together in, in, in circumstances that were um, very, very difficult. So, How big of a part did your faith have to uh, play in it? Very big. Because you're, you're a practicing Muslim and you're... I'm and, not and the best example of, of a good Muslim. <clears throat> yeah. um, I've made a lot of mistakes in life and uh, it's, it's no secret. Um, but when you go through such a traumatic past yeah. um, and then you, you transition to something that's positive and conducive for yeah. both your mental and your physical well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Religion is the backbone because that's what keeps you aligned. That's what centers um, you. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the discipline that's required to be able to follow your faith, um, you could uh, use that because it gives you like a tranquility, a peace in yourself. Although I was locked up, every time that I prayed, I was I felt like that uh, that tranquility of the heart. So it was always like, okay, I'm in here, but I, I feel good. You know, yeah, I'm it's good. hard to do that on your I'm own. Content. Too, right? I'm content. Well, when you're in usually it's uh, it's unfortunate, but when you are in very bad circumstances, that's yeah. what you turn to because that's all you have. Yeah, yeah. faith is very important, and uh, luckily for me, um, it was the backbone. It was it was the centerpiece for for me getting through um, incarceration. Yeah, for sure. So that's, um, it's hard to do that alone because you think of, you, you think of your, your, uh, religion and, and, and your faith. And, and most people, when they pray, they're usually at a mosque or church or they're surrounded by people they love and know. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get into that because that's what you guys are all there for. But when you're by yourself in a cell, I can't imagine, you know, having these conversations with God that they're all going to go the way you planned and they're all going to go you know, as, um, as they would if you were in a, in a mosque or church or something like that. So, um. True, but sometimes circumstances happen for a reason. Yeah. Like uh, there was something maybe that I needed to learn. There was a lesson that I needed to learn. So I, I never looked at it as why me, why me, why me? There was a lesson. There was something valuable that you were going to learn and, and comprehend yeah. based on this experience. Yeah. Now, I knew based on, on the way I used to live in the past, I needed to get closer to God. I needed to get closer. I needed to understand who I was and what I was here for and uh, what my goals are. And, and, and just everybody be, just, should do that. Just to be a yeah. better person. You know, I, I, a lot of people who know me, you know, you know, I don't have the best attitude, you know, especially after everything. Like I, I come off as a nice guy, but you and I know nice guys finish last. So I, yeah. I'm not that type of person no more where I, I don't sugarcoat. You know, yeah. like I, I'm very direct. Yeah. And if some people don't like that too bad, that's just yeah. who I am. You develop alligator skin. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not the best example, but. I don't think any of us are. No, it's know? a learning experience. So the fact that I had to go through what I had to learn to go through, to learn these kind of lessons, mm-hmm. um, I'm glad that I did because the story, God willing, 
knock on wood like yeah. if if i if i live 20 years from now or 30 years from now if god gives me th those years to live yeah. i could look back and say wholeheartedly um that i'm glad i went through these kind of experiences because they only made me the person that i am today and it wasn't a waste of time it wasn't a waste of time most people will look at it as a waste of time of course i always knew that i was a late bloomer in life mm -hmm. you know i i you know i'm not ashamed to say that there's a lot of situations that people should have learned earlier on in life maybe i learned them later but there's also other things that i learned earlier rather than later compared to other people so it's, it's just a lot of us nowadays i feel like throw around those words that we're all late bloomers i find that a lot of people in our generation seem to be late bloomers including myself i feel like we're all blooming late well because you know? it's more it's like a paradigm shift yeah. right now with technology with with everything that's going on with uh you know relationships are not as interpersonal as they used to be everything's over your phone now oh, it's all I, swiping. Still, I still hate it i still hate yeah. it I, I you know i'm a fan of the you know the 90s era how things were just more real um, and Where you could pick up a phone and call somebody? Yeah, just yeah. How weird is that now? Getting phone calls? It's crazy, man. It's yeah. like if you call someone, you need to talk to them. They look at it like, "Why'd you call me?" Type of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like, well, it's yeah, it's uh, it's headed down a direction I'm not too people, too happy about. People would rather text message for forty five minutes to an hour in a conversation that could have been done in thirty seconds on a phone call. And you can't read someone's emotions. Okay, if they throw yeah, an emoji, <laughs> you can't. Like, of course. Uh, you have to be able to dis f almost feel someone talking. And even if you put out an emoji, I'm not even sure that smiley face was real or not. What did yeah. you mean by that? And then you're going to be thinking, uh, what do they mean by that? It's misinterpreted. It's going to mess with your head. And yeah. um, But I guess like we're millennials, right? This mm -hmm. is this is what it's what's expected. This is what's been studied. And this yeah. is what they want. Yeah. Um, I'm 32, but I feel like I'm I'm a lot older based yeah. on my experiences and i'll tell you right yeah. now and i'm sure you could agree yeah. that the old school way of doing things was the best way it was uh it was the it, it's, it's not as convenient yeah <clears throat> not as convenient but but sometimes we we don't want convenience we were talking about it the other day when we were talking about going to pick up a, a movie at blockbuster remember what that was that like place was lit get on a your friday yeah exactly uh, place yeah, how was many crazy. how many of your friends did you bump into on the north side oh, picking up a yeah. movie picking up a pizza or, or yeah, donair on the, the way home that that whole just like i'm gonna go get a movie and a pizza that yeah. whole experience of just doing that you know now uh, it's skip the dishes and a text message yeah. and it all arrives at your door yeah it's just uh but you miss those. You miss those days. You miss the old school way of doing things. You miss the the the, the phone calls you used to have with a girl till five six in the morning because you really liked her. Now it's just like I used to tell my family, uh, "Oh, I have my homework helper calling me." I never got away with that one, but that was yeah. funny. I tell my mom, "Yeah, I have this girl calling. She's my homework helper," and she'd be like, "Yeah, homework okay. helper." I never used that line. Yeah, because you know, all you had was the phone before the cell phones, yeah. before those Nokia flips came yeah, out, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was always like uh, you get a call at night and you're waiting by the phone. It's just, <laughs> yeah. So now you're 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 planning to stay on the north side, uh, or are you going back to Toronto, or that, is that still up in the air? I'm going back to BC. I'm actually going uh, on Wednesday, and um, I'm going to be coming through Edmonton maybe two three times a, a, a month. And was uh, that that same opportunity you were talking about? Same before? one, yeah. Okay, same one. So they were leaning it with you as far as, hey, I got to go do this. Uh, very thing. fortunate. I know the right people nice. in the industry. Plus, I deliver. Um, you know, I could sell a lot. Yeah. And um, I've been in the industry for what eight years now, and um, you know, I could do very well with it. So yeah. uh, I believe in my talent. I believe in the five steps. Were you doing sales? Were you doing uh, financing? Were you doing? Were you a manager? What? What was that? A uh, general sales manager. Okay. Um, 
basically. So you had a nice position with him. Yeah, it was good. That's nice of him to hold on to that for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I wish you all the best with that, man. Yeah, yeah. And and so when I when I last saw you before now, mm-hmm. this was about besides Toronto. Let's let's get well. No, even in Toronto, you were two seventy five, and and so back then. Uh, were you were you heavy into steroids? Was that something that you? <laughs> I ain't gonna bring that up. Uh, well, it's hard not to bring it up when you're 280 pounds. I got that brought up and I was 240. I but was, I mean, uh, were you? I, I knew you knew a lot about it, mm-hmm. and I knew that you obviously, like we all have, tried your 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 pit. And most of us did it wrong, but I knew you were educated when it came to that. Yeah. So uh, is that something that's part of your life now? Because you're 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 240. Uh, you can, you don't look like somebody that's that's taken anything. Yeah. Because but I'm, you're, I'm also six four, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tall exactly. and. Uh, uh, the thing is, I'm very happy that I haven't been on steroids in almost 10 years now. Oh, okay. I haven't. I The thing was... So even is, a few years ago? I wasn't on nothing. Wow. Yeah, I, I was just eating a lot. That's <laughs> yeah, just I what remember, it was. I remember you eating I, like a uh, buffalo. Dude, I was, uh, I was just eating a lot and uh, training hard. Yeah. And... Uh, but when you seen me, I wasn't even lifting weights, man. I was just trying to get that rid of that weight. I guess it's hard. It's hard n- not to not to label you with that because you are such a big guy and you're tall and you're six foot four. People automatically assume he must be taking something. Nobody well, can work that hard. I started because uh, you were going to the gym like twice a day, right? Uh, for bodybuilding, yeah. uh, when I used to be a whatever body, I never competed once, man. I just did it for myself. I did it because I enjoyed it. I had a thing for just training and lifting weights and the pump and all that kind of stuff i know you're thinking about competing a couple years ago when i talked to you yeah but then your coach was telling you you should and and everybody that i've met about it everybody that knows me they know that i've been asked maybe two three dozen times during that yeah that part of my life yeah but i'm not gonna wear i'm sorry a thong or whatever and get up and pose (laughs) i'm not that type of guy i um you know, it's just not for me. Yeah, I never wanted to get into bodybuilding because I wanted recognition. You have to be passionate about it, man. I you loved just... it, and I started out in 2002, <clears throat> and didn't stop until like 20, 2013. Uh, yeah. 20, and I never necessarily stopped. I just transitioned from the whole, you know, beast mode, lifting weights type yeah. of thing, and then I transitioned to other things. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that I was able to do that because I got to know the biomechanics of how my body worked. And lifting weights is not con- wasn't conducive down the road down the road yeah. for my joints. I was it just so you didn't need a first, second, or third place medal to to uh, you know to um, make sense of, of of how passionate you were about bodybuilding. You just you you loved it because you loved going to the gym and staying in shape. I loved it, and uh, you know I managed to connect with uh, some of the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were talking about steroids, yeah. um, and they educated me. Like I wasn't getting it second, third, fourth hand. I was getting it from the source. So they were educating me and they were telling me, you know, like how to respect the stuff. So a lot of people that looked at me during that time when I was like nearing 200, almost 300 pounds, when I was just like, people thought, oh my God, this guy's all steroids. It wasn't that. It was Mm -hmm. just utilizing less is more, eating properly and training hard. And uh, the genetics that I had, you know, was able, I was able to carry that weight easily. Now, not just the, pumping yourself with everything and hoping for the best. You were doing it strategically where yes. you were eating right, yes. you were you working out at the right time. Compared to what the pros are taking right now, like what what yeah. the competitive aspect of, of you yeah. know, it's nothing, nothing. Um, and it seems to always get better and more refined and more, uh, you know, as far as results go, just more apparent. I is, mean, that, is that what you find in the years that you've been 
you know not really in that in that uh, i'm not really i haven't been in, in that scene for a long time but i'll tell you what when it comes to bodybuilding yeah if you want to be competitive you have to take the steroids that's no matter what you gotta you gotta be able to take the the testosterone and you have to you know the gh and the trend and all that kind of stuff yeah. you know if you want to be competitive but if you want to just take care of yourself and you want to have mm-hmm. an overall good shape nutrition is i want to say 75 percent yeah gear is going to be the five percent refinement yeah right and everything else is the food or what did i say 75 yeah. percent yeah. diet and then everything else overall finish yeah right so if you're eating properly on a daily basis and you have that habit where you're eating properly like for me i have a sweet tooth so i could never eat properly consistently and then in the end not binge out on a snack or two i can't go like three four weeks and and do that like the bodybuilder you have to have that kind of discipline right yeah so the gear will help you mm-hmm. but if you just want to take care of yourself you yeah. could utilize simple and you're not competing you're not no, up on you stage. could stay healthy it's all about uh youthfulness and staying healthy uh, before i used to be like you know you think i was 40 years old because of the way i look but now it's yeah. like more refined you yeah know, you look younger the youth you know i feel like i got my youth back nice you know so and, and th- there are competitions that um that are targeting natural bodybuilders because i've seen a few competitions go on and the guys obviously look a lot smaller i mean they're sell, not as you know they'll sell it as natural but i'm pretty sure there's something else going on there's okay. always there's always someone that there's once an edge like i mean yeah and such a variety of things that you can take that there's uh, w- would you say there's thousands of things that you can take different supplements to help you in that way that might be considered a steroid or not or like I'm, what's your what's your take on that do you think there's a handful or is it a lot to choose from myself yeah. personally when i wanted to get like in good shape yeah i would take a little bit of anavar which is uh it's a very mild anabolic steroid mm-hmm. um very very mild yeah um sure you can google and you could see it's just it's a it's a, not really energetic it's just like kind of I used to use it to treat my work, like to give my workout an edge. I used to take it maybe once or twice um, a week mm-hmm. instead of every, all the bodybuilders, you take it every day. But I used to take it like a couple of times a week just to kind of give my workout an edge. It tightens everything up. Is it a pill form or pill injection? Form. You de- de- take a oh, pill form, okay. but so that's what's probably available hard on your liver. Too, if right? you can, if, if you're living a unhealthy lifestyle, I mean, you could, you could take too much Advil and you could have an adverse effect or drink too much or smoke too much or it's just based on the lifestyle. Yeah. But near the end, I realized that, you know what? I don't need to take anything. I know how to maintain my, my physicality. You're six foot four. What are you doing? Taking shit to begin, begin with? Well, like you talking know? 10 years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. You're when you're boy. young, when you're yeah. young, you know, 23, 24, 25, the whole that was when kind of the fitness industry was exploding yeah um i kept on saying to myself well i gotta look this way because you gotta remember i got into bodybuilding and and that look because i i love to yeah it was it was just something i enjoy doing but also there was a business aspect of it that i got caught up with as Mm -hmm. you know yeah that i took advantage of too yeah and i was partying Well, because you knew so much about it too that people would naturally ask you i think you told me a while ago that you get you get asked so many questions at the gym and approach so much that it just it, it almost forced you into that into that avenue because of the fact that 
you already had that look where people that were interested in mm-hmm. uh, getting bigger or stronger or faster, whatever the case may be, they they would approach you a lot more than they would approach somebody like me at a gym. Yeah, I was getting a lot of attention during that time. Um, my life was very chaotic. I was uh, I wasn't like yeah, I was heavy into the bodybuilding scene and the partying scene and a couple of other scenes that I don't want to mention. But uh, it was um, yeah, it was everywhere I went, man. Hey, yeah. and then I'll, I use that to my advantage. Yeah, I'd educate people, but now everybody has access to information anyway. Yeah. So. But this was what ten years ago when it was just kind of becoming mainstream, and you were you were you know stopping the guy from doing too much of this and not enough of that or or not because a lot of and and obviously you can educate some of us on mm-hmm. this, but a lot of us would would that would try steroids wouldn't take the proper precautions for the after effects. So we're just worried about mm-hmm. what makes us bigger, what makes us stronger, what makes us lift more at the gym, but not enough of us took the. The, the, the counter cycle, to that. The post cycle. Yeah, therapy. yeah, exactly. So I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people uh, that take steroids, um, there's a post cycle therapy that you'd have to go through in order to get your system back to normal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure bodybuilders talk about it all the time on all these yeah. online. You know, it's just. But a lot of people want to save a few more, a few dollars, and they don't want to get that. They think, oh, don't worry, I'll just take this and I'll look great. Or, yeah, you know. And uh, I used to be the first one to push clients away because of that kind of thinking. Yeah. I want you to respect the stuff because it's powerful shit. Yeah. You know, you'll have a guy. It's not a quick fix. Like you, you, you were doing it for, for, for years and you've been bodybuilding for years. So you developed an understanding of it that most people think it's just a magic pill. And it, it, it bothered you me. You got to respect the stuff, man, because you, you can get into a lot of situations where you could hurt yourself. Yeah. You could have uh, adverse reactions. Um, you know, I, I had like, oh, dude, I was raging, man. Like I, I just wasn't a nice guy. Uh, that was one of the, you know, the side effects. I just very irritable. Any, anybody who talks, I was just very irritable all the time, yeah. you know, and I didn't like that because I didn't represent who I was. Yeah. So you got to respect the stuff. If someone's yeah, going to, sure. if someone's going to spend all this money, you know, whether they get it online or through someone, but if they take it seriously, mm-hmm. they got to respect the stuff because you're going to get results. Uh, if you're, if, you know, if you're taking a legitimate, yeah. good quality uh, stuff, you're going to get results. So you have to respect it. So my whole thing was, uh, this is what you're looking at. This is what I would do. And this is what happens if you don't do this. And this is, what I, you know what I mean? I, yeah. And that's just how it is. I was just real. I wasn't, um, I cared about the well-being, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, because. Uh, Where most people just sell it to them on a corner and then they're gone and they don't hear back from them. I mean, you know, were money, you keeping in touch with some of the clients? Like, were you uh, guiding them through it or was it just, lots here's that, your yeah. box, don't contact me anymore? No, uh, it was just email. Here you go. And yeah. any questions and that, that okay. was that. Um, that was, yeah, I've had, a, I've retained a lot of clients like that, um, for fitness, for health. You know, I used to train, uh, train a lot of people as well, but I'm, I'm so not into that scene anymore. Like the bodybuilding mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. is just not for me. Yeah. You know, I don't even pay attention to it no more. I'm more about just taking care of me. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the conversations that I used to have, let's say five, six years ago are just, they're no longer that no more. It's just different, you know? That's that's what I like about you know this podcast so much, and and the reason I even wanted to get into it was mm-hmm. because we could have this conversation in a car, we can have it at uh, you know Tim Hortons, we can have it sitting down for coffee, but something about sitting down and mm-hmm. talking to somebody one on one and and being comfortable with with 
what you're talking about just just gives you that undivided attention and then that's what i i feel becomes so addicting about this where mm-hmm. you're not um you're not you're not really distracted by anything around you which we all are how many times you talk to somebody and your phone goes off or you get a text message or an email and then, and then your mind's elsewhere. Uh, I always found it, I mean, so disrespectful, but I'm guilty of doing it myself where you're at dinner with four or five guys. How many of them have their, have their phones up or on their phone? It's the anticipation. It's like that temporary satisfaction that you get from receiving new information or, mm-hmm. or what have you, yeah. or a picture or a text or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, they say when you're texting, and uh, when you're looking and someone's texting, you know how it shows that yeah. little bar? Yeah. They say your heart rate goes up to 180 beats per minute when you're anticipating what's gonna, what, what the next message is going to be. If you're anticipating a good one. Hopefully. <laughs> but they say your heart rate increases. It goes, it goes automatically. So technology and texting, and it's like it, it wants to be a part of our life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I mean, some people welcome it, some people just don't. Mm-hmm. But with good thing with podcasts, you're able to express yourself and uh, you could have more of a feel of who you're talking to and, and you know, really get the sense of, well, you know, how they're living. Absolutely. How they feel I, know, I think about certain pod- topics. I think a podcast would be useless if we were back in 2002, 2001, because why the hell would you need to sit down and, and have a conversation with somebody and, and be on a mic and, and hear them through a headset? Because it's not... It's, it's, it wasn't that uncommon to have a, a real heart-to-heart conversation, a one-on-one. It was easy back then. Now I feel like people are, there's so many podcasts out there and, so, and I listen to a lot of them, but, yeah. but the reason I got into it is because it just seemed more meaningful. The conversations were meaningful. This is the most meaningful conversation me and you've had. And we've had many conversations, yes. but this by far is the most meaningful. So I'm glad we're recording. I'm glad it's on camera. Maybe that's why. Maybe because there's a camera in our face, so we have no choice maybe. but to be. You tend you know. to forget about it. <laughs> you tend yeah, to forget about while, it after yeah, a while. Yeah, it's, it's not it's there. A, but it's, not that bad. Uh, it's just yeah. uh, we're living in an era where uh, sometimes to have somebody's undivided attention, have a real conversation like the one we just had, it's just best to sit down and, and, and hash it out like this. Like I think our phones are off right now, so yeah. nobody can reach us. It's just... Um, and it's most not people, easy, right? Most people don't like this, though. Like they, um, you know, I had, you know, you know, uh, reservations about it. But yeah. in the beginning, I'm like, whatever. You're like, this is just a good way yeah. to be able to conduct yourself and express yourself. I think yeah. it's healthy. Um, but if you're on a screen all day and everything's kind of uh, through There's that a flip screen, side to it too. You're, you're communicating, yeah. and that person's getting feeling emotion based on words. Yeah. I feel like it's just different. You know, like it's not conducive to the human being a human being is supposed to have a variety of intellectual conversations either through a phone through in person you know true. your day-to-day true um i mean i'm fortunate i get to deal with people at work so there's always that you know yeah back and forth yeah um and i'm but, trapped in a studio you know what but you, <laughs> you, you you're gonna have people come your way yeah. and you're gonna have awesome yeah, conversations no, it's, and it's gonna be documented and it's gonna be nice no. you know i um i feel it's like innovative it's <clears throat> it's, it's, it's awesome I mean, yeah, it's 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 everywhere nowadays. But I, um, I for know the north that, side, it's like new. Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is a new podcast on the north side. There's a lot downtown, but not on the north yeah, side. Yeah, not yet. Um, uh, you 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 feel like if you have conversations like this, and mm-hmm. there's somebody out there that's listening, mm-hmm. and and isn't sure what uh, prison's like, yeah. what taking steroids is like, mm-hmm. um, you know, what incarceration's like. Um, 
you know what you know what how that all ties in once you're put in a situation where you're spending 20 hours in a cell by yourself i feel like there's somebody out there that can get an insight of that or a, a little more educated because you brought up you brought up uh, con air Mm-hmm. And we've all seen the movie. I think most of us have seen the movie. I love that movie. Yeah. But we always think of it as fun and games and it's cool and it's, and prisons. I mean, some of our favorite movies, Blood In, Blood Out, it's all to do with, with prison. But then you talk to somebody that's that's been through it and not just kind of seen it through a screen mm-hmm. and you get a different... You get a different uh, outlook on it. It depends on the person. Not everybody has. Of course, uh, of course. uh, I'm just hoping they take the positive of what you're sharing because it's easy to take the negative. Uh, You know, you can find negative in in everything. And that's that's what some of these parole officers were trying to do with you, which it just feel like every time you took two steps forward, you were forced to take one back at times. But if somebody could take the positive of that and 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 learn something or gain something or just more information yeah. that's you know that that seems to be the key here you know yeah it's important it's uh you take the good and leave the bad and you just uh you just pull through that's how uh that's how i did it and yeah. um i was very fortunate to have a good family good good support system behind me how is your family doing doing great you see them uh, i do see them and uh that's why i came here for this week just to kind of you know, see them, um, get in touch, and just keep up appearances, you know. They're How so do they feel about you might wanting to go to BC or Toronto? They want you parents, around now uh, more? My, fam- my family loves what I do. They love the fact that I, I just I take risks. I get out of my comfort zone, and um, <laughs> you throw me anywhere I'll land on my feet type of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not about, I can't do the whole thing where it's like day in, day out, the same thing all the yeah. time, you know. And, and, and obviously you don't go to bars, you don't, you don't it's not go my thing. It's not your thing, yeah. It's not my thing anymore. I mean, um, I'm sure a lot of people our age right now, it's just, it's, it's just you're not, not missing much. I'm not, you know? you're not missing much. I mean, I used to, once in a while, like, you know, in Toronto, you know, Cabana, when, I don't know. If <laughs> Those are real clubs. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, once in a while when it's missed, sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I gotta admit, it's just not my thing no more for me getting the best out of a weekend is having a heavy duty training mm-hmm. session, you know, weekend and uh, keeping positive and, uh, reading a good book, whatever, you know, whatever puts you in that state of mind, yeah. praying, yeah. keeping consistent, um, with the positive. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm 30 or 32 years old. And when you hit a certain age, it's just like you go through a systemic change where it's like the way you think is just totally different mm-hmm. and uh way you act way you conduct yourself the way well, you you're, approach. you're you're growing i think without that i'd be i'd be a little weary if i bumped into somebody where you know 10 years later i was looking at the same person having the same conversation that that doesn't happen uh, as often as you think is everybody should grow at least maybe not always positive but should change as a person you know and new beliefs enter your your life a tragedy i mean uh, one day you're, you're, you know, you're doing fine. Next day you get diagnosed with something and a few months Health later you're Health is dead. wealth, man. Health is wealth. So, I heard so many <laughs> stories where people, they're, ha- they're, they're fine one minute and then something happens where all of a sudden they're doing chemo or, 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 or something people really. people in my community. Just, it, this, it almost destroys families and lives. Absolutely, and, yeah. So, it's, but it's nice to see them bounce back and, and be stronger and, and uh, you know. You got to count your blessings, man. Course, Health, health is wealth because... Um, I always say you can't guarantee anything five minutes from now. Yeah. So you might as well just stay positive and um, live in the moment. Live in the moment type of thing. Uh-huh. But the biggest thing is like just be positive. Be a better person. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. don't be rude. Don't be you know be cool. Yeah. 
And um, it's funny because coming from that environment, you'd think everything would be, you know, negative. But I got used to that, and I, I just want goodness. That's it. You definitely spun it into a, a, a positive, and, you've, and you, you pretty much took as much positivity as you can get from your situation. And to me, that's success. That's being a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I applaud you for that. Honestly, not a lot of people that I've met that have been through what you've been through come back on the other side with with such a positive outlook and and, and a drive and a hunger for succeeding and and to keep going because so so easy to give up. You got to keep going forward. I mean, there's those moments in life where you feel like you're going to give up or you can't take it. And then you feel like, well, why is this happening, you know, to me? And um, you got to just dig deep down and ask yourself, like, who do you want to be? And just keep moving forward. That's yeah. that is the main thing. You need something that centers you, that grounds you a base, whether it's religion or family or whatever your thing is, man, um, whatever you strive for, whatever you want to achieve. Um, it's very important um, because that'll set the precedent mm-hmm. and then you'll just, you know, go with that. That's it. Uh, just the cycle of the day. Yeah going to the gym you meet a lot of people and it's just very different feel very friendly upbeat energy you know and just walking downtown was like one of the funnest things you could do yeah totally honestly like you just put your headphones on get a good get a good you know podcast going and just walk and go to the stores go eat where we lived like right outside of my window was the cn tower yeah man it was expensive but boy was it fun just to step out onto the sidewalk yeah, you don't have especially to during much. baseball games or hockey yeah. games and people would just flood the, the streets. energy energy of the city is something like you learn to do very minute small things you don't really necessarily have to do big things like plan your whole day yeah but like i used to just love walking downtown on young there's a restaurant I used to go to all the time. It's called the Halal Guys. Yeah. Halal, the Halal Guys. Yeah. They used to make the best food there, man. Yeah. It was like one of those street, New York kind of a street vendors that yeah, turned yeah. into a those big franchise. Those are my favorites in Toronto. That's they, where I ate. They turned into a huge franchise. Yeah. So, uh, man, I used to eat there every single day. Yeah. I used to just love it. And, um, yeah, you just try different res- uh, restaurants. I, I started eating a lot of Jamaican food, man. Yeah. Like a lot of oxtail and <laughs> really, yeah. Like I just got on that oxtail. Man. Oh, you've never had oxtail before. Never had oxtail. Dude, oxtail is like awesome. Man. I don't like meat in general. I've given up on on meat. I'm a carnivore man, but yeah. it's just the whole combination of you know the sauce and the rice and and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Jamaican food is really good, and yeah. Toronto has like those ma and pa restaurants that have been there for like fifty well, it's years. It's very ethnic. It's very, it's very diverse everywhere you go. Whatever kind of food you want yeah, is there. Exactly. That's what I loved about it. Um, and you don't really go per se like shopping at a grocery store. It's like kind of in and out food yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah. you try a lot of different places. Yeah. But that must have been a trek for you to go from uh, Richmond Hill to downtown and back. That's like an Thing hour is, drive. Well, when I worked downtown, I would go and then I would finish oh, you were my right day. There. I was always there, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things around me. Yeah. And then uh, the area where I went to go train, uh, which was in an area called Bloor, it's where all the um, uh, like kind of those boutique fitness studios are. There was a boxing studio. There was yeah. yoga and all that. Yeah. There's, there's just so much, so much variety. You stayed away from Church Street and stuck uh, to Jarvis? Of course, man. Um, <laughs> there's a whole community there yeah, for them. Yeah, but, yeah, of uh, course. I was just caught up with work. Yeah. And the mono- well, 14 hours, 14 hours a day doesn't leave you much for 
yeah. you know doing your recreational yeah. stuff besides working out and yeah. reading a good book or something like that i can't yeah. see you being able to do anything else i met a lot of people though like you you come across a lot of people yeah. and i met some really really cool people oh, there yeah. and uh, some i keep in contact with till today yeah but um you you've me you i like i'm already here i'm in edmonton but yeah. i miss the vibe of the city because it's just the vibe of toronto yeah how did bc feel in comparison bc was more chilled relaxed yeah the air smells different there you got the ocean right yeah and uh um a lot of trees i mean it was just uh, like the california of canada almost right yeah. it was just very i just did the drive to uh, bc yeah um and i it was about a 10-hour drive we went to the okanagan went oh, to yeah. lake country went down to um Kelowna from Kelowna went to Penticton mm -hmm. and um and that was that was awesome just having that water nearby it reminded me of Lebanon when we were driving through it because it's all hills and it's green and yeah that was an awesome experience I'm thinking I'd like to move there uh in the near future you know especially because I'm not tied down at the moment you know no family no kids yeah. I feel like if I want to take advantage of something like that as long as you're able and you're single and you you don't have you know like when people are like you know, I, I totally understand when people are married and they have the kids yeah. and then they, they're kind of grounded, which, yeah. is, which is fine. But of course, a lot I feel of like as long as you're single and you're utilizing your time, take adventures, man. Just do yeah. things that you don't normally do. Take an opportunity that comes your way yeah. and just move. Now, most people don't like to do that because they don't like the isolation. They don't like the fact that they're leaving their friends. But yeah. all in all, it's always going to end in a positive experience that you, you, you kind of you took and you learned. Yeah. Um, I jump at the opportunity now to move anywhere. Um, I'm going to try to set up a situation where I'm able to live in Lebanon for six months out of the year and then six months in Toronto down the road. That seems to be like everybody's dream. A few months back home, a few yeah. months in Canada and, and try to make it yeah. all work and tie it yeah. in together. Real estate is a way that I, you could do that, you know, yeah. um, and be smart with real estate. You could have a nice income coming in. Do you have your license uh, when it comes to real estate? No, but if you buy property and you rent it out, you yeah. get a nice residual that comes in and if you're smart and uh, you can kind of utilize that to your benefit and have the right tenants have the right tenants yeah. um uh, have somebody if, here to look at i mean you're like you semi-retired at that point yeah the whole thing right now is doing what you love to do and getting paid that's the biggest thing right mm -hmm. now my goal is to have a sponsorship where i get free honey every day honey is the best man i use honey for everything yeah. i'd share my honey with you yeah yeah yeah, I have. I get honey flown in from back home. <laughs> oh, like the old school. Honey. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. nothing that beats that honey when they yeah. come in a container where they're ready in the. What's yeah. that called? The cone. Yeah. Or Man. the uh, the uh, the hive. You, yeah, you you yeah. chew you, the beehive. The beehive. You yeah. chew the, the beehive. <laughs> <laughs> beehive. You chew the cone, and then afterwards, it ends up being like a like a stick of gum in your mouth. After a while, you yeah. just take it out yeah. and throw it. Really I love good. that. My it's parents really, always bring me really that good. When home. Even just to use that for your coffee. Yeah. And because the sugar, you know, that white stuff is very, is very bad yeah, for you. Get into the habit of using a honey for sweetening, whatever it is yeah. that you're drinking. Yeah. is is awesome. Yeah. So for now, we're just enjoying good conversations with, with friends and, and people yeah. that I find as interesting as you, obviously. I don't know how often you're going to be in Edmonton, but next time you, uh, you're in, through. maybe come through. I pass through yeah. all the time. Uh, I'd like to hear what you've been up to later on and, and how uh, things have changed. I, uh, I have, uh, some, I don't like to plan out anything because today is mine, tomorrow may not be. Yeah. But I'm just going to go on this stride. I'm just going to work hard this winter. And then uh, spring, summertime, I think I'm going to do a little bit of Europe yeah. and then finish off in Lebanon. And I haven't been back to Lebanon since 2002. I'm going next year. So I'm due. I'm going next year. Yeah. But I'm going to go through um, 
through Europe first. I think yeah. I want to do like Italy and Greece, maybe take the train or just kind touch of touch a few places. Exactly. Yeah. And then, places, you yeah. know, so a couple of weeks in Lebanon, maybe five days of just kind of roaming through. I'd like to go to France and, and Italy to Florence, you know, being an artist. I love, I yeah. love, I love those kind of places. Who doesn't? Everybody does. But, Absolutely, you know, because yeah. I study up on it quite a bit. I just, I want to see it. You Give know, you some new perspective. Yeah. yeah. My cousin's in Germany and he's been begging me to go there to stop yeah. and see him. He was one of those refugees that kind of had to walk for three, four days. So he has an incredible story to tell. Speaking yeah. of stories, so. I'll take my mic with me. Uh, yeah, I want to go check him out and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just hang out with him for a yeah. bit and then eventually finish off in Lebanon. Yeah. And uh, it's been a long time since I've been there, like 2002, man. It's been a really long time. Yeah, so. my last time was 2011, but yeah. I only did it for three days. I literally flew, stayed there for 48 hours and came back just to see a wedding really really stupid though why would you do it for three days um i had draft opening up in clearview okay and i was like days away from my grand opening mm -hmm. so um when my cousin was going to get married she's my first cousin so i really had to be there uh we all decided three of us decided to grab tickets and go last minute knowing that we had to come back literally three days later so imagine all that flying you were jet lagged the whole time probably. the whole time the i whole literally time. went from the wedding with my suit on right to the airport but I got to see a great wedding. I got to be a part of it. Um, it was an experience, a good story to tell. Yeah, uh, a very short story. But yeah, that was my last experience in Lebanon. It was literally 48 yeah. hours. So this time I'm going to spend a few I'm days. looking forward to it, man. I just... Uh, You'll I love just, it. You'll I just want it. that smell of zaatar and, and, and the yeah. bakery. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. just sitting yeah. down with my cold Pepsi yeah, in yeah, the glass. Yeah. And just Remember chilling. those bottles? They used yeah. to come in the glass. I used to just enjoy my Pepsi like that. Um, yeah. Just just to sit back and just chill, relax. Yeah, yeah. Find a gym out there, train. But yeah. you know what? Instead of staying in, in uh, my dial, I'm going to actually stay in Beirut. I'm going to just Airbnb. Where are you from place. in Lebanon? I'm from the Ba'a, Abelias. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. close to Stura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Stura is about an... 45 minutes away from Yanta, I think. Depends on how give fast you drive. Give or take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I plan on like Airbnb being a place in, in, in actual the city. Yeah. Because yeah. Beirut's like an international city. Oh, man. yeah. It's no, like, it's gorgeous. You know? They're really hot, though. And, really humid. Uh, oh. Very, very. That's but I love that, I though. Like. Yeah, I, I yeah like I'm not that. into that. Just, I'm, not a, that. I'm not a the humid summer baby. I don't know what the hell. Well, all the time, yeah, it would suck. But if, yeah. if you're going to be there for, let's say, three, yeah. four weeks. Soak it all up and just... Yeah, Please. man, soak it all up and then uh, just get that culture, you know, yeah, get that of like, kind of that injection of culture. Yeah, you that's need what that I, once in a while. That's what I need, yeah. Never forget your roots. Absolutely. Well, if I don't see you before Lebanon and you don't come through, then we should have a nice podcast after sure. next year when you come back and we'll tell Lebanon sure. stories and sure. what happened there. Who knows? I might come back married. You never know. No, don't do it. Well, you never know. There's not enough fish in the sea. You got to go over there. No, it's just that sometimes you never know. You, you don't see it coming. It comes yeah, when you're true. not you can't expecting control it. When you, you when you're not expecting it. it, you can fall in love no, anywhere. I just want to go there and have a good time, but you never know. Right? Have an open mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 thought just scares me because I feel like when you find a a, a life partner or somebody you're mm -hmm. really interested in, mm -hmm. you want to take your time a little bit. And I feel like meeting somebody in Lebanon only gives you that few weeks, and then the rest of it's on the phone. Not for everybody. I'm just saying from from experiences that I've been through and, and I've heard about, it just seems to be such a quick, 
Uh, and so you got to be lucky for sure. Like you got to know what you're doing. But if you're just going on a whim and, and meeting somebody and a couple of weeks later, you're, you're, you're just making international calls and keeping in touch with them that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like you, you got to be sure. And on top of that, um, when the, once they come here, I feel like they have so many hurdles to overcome. You know, things, little things. It could be uh, just where to go out and, and who to meet and who to hang out with and your driver's license, learning the city. I feel like you got to be, like, you would have to be in love to go through all that, is my point. All of and if above. you're not, don't take any chances. All of the, all of the above. You're totally right. But yeah. um, you always have to be uh, keep an open mind that that may be a circumstance. You know, it could come at you and all of a sudden you're just like, well, Wow, you know, yeah. I gotta oh, deal no, with the you situation. You can't control that. You can't control. Do your that. due diligence. Um, I know many people that have met, you know, girls and 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 girls that have met guys there, and now they're happily married with kids and yeah. love each other. And, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I feel like it's only natural, right? Yeah, um, that you explore the idea, not necessarily cement it, but explore yeah. the idea, and if it makes sense, pull the trigger. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But um i've i've met a lot of people but i've just haven't been back home in a long time so yeah. who knows i may feel a lot comfortable and plus happier. when you bump into a lot of people that you know they're they're going to want to introduce you to somebody you know uh, so that my cousins are all telling me you got to come down yeah there. you got to come down yeah. i got to introduce you to my neighbor she thinks you're cute i show yeah. her a picture a of, of you on facebook <laughs> there's a lot of that right yeah. but uh, i really just want to go there and just enjoy you know the culture mm-hmm. um uh, just soak it all up soak it all up have yeah. a good time there you yeah. know what i mean and uh just reflect back on this uh well now that it's over and done yeah. with but i've been dealing like for Mabruk, the last, by the way i know that that's all it's done, all done. put behind you it's all done no so, more uh, you I get feel my you feel back. not only lighter because of your weight but you feel lighter because it just feels like a monkey a big ass monkey came off your shoulders yeah i get recently. my passport back man like that's i heard awesome. for the first time in a long time that's I right my... you haven't even been able to travel yeah, just only within canada that's insane yeah. yeah we didn't even touch up on that but yeah. that's yeah so i have that now Good and um it feels weird man because it's like this weight off your shoulders is like legitimately gone L- yeah and literally gone yeah yeah so yeah. there's uh, you've experienced all avenues when it comes to that yeah so i'm happy about that i'm happy for you man i'm glad you, you shared your story with me yeah, uh, it's always nice to see you, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you come back from uh, Lebanon, uh, we'll uh, we'll have a, we'll have another chat if I don't see you before. For sure. Then. For yeah. sure. For sure. Thanks for having me, brother. You are the best. Mm.